we get closer to the finish of our, our series of messages. But today, I, I just believe with all of my heart that there are those that are going to walk away to harm into your life. It's affecting everything around you. We were in a conference over the weekend, um, Friday, Saturday. Uh, Andrea was preaching down there. But one of the speakers got up, and she shared about her experience of having an abortion. Now, she didn't say these words, but I, this is the image that I got is that afterwards the enemy kept using that as blackmail blackmail see the enemy has lured you into something telling you the circumstances tell you you got to do it this way and there's no other way you, you're deceived you think well i, I should have known better maybe you did but you still you the circumstance drove you to that decision it drove you to a situation and you didn't see any other way out so you chose to go that path, not realizing the aftermath that was going to come as a result of that. And that aftermath is a constant bombardment and beratement all the way from whispers to yells in your spirit that you're not worthy, you'll never measure up, you can't overcome this area, and it's always used as blackmail against you. And I'm here to say it is time by the blood of Jesus for that to stop that you are going free if you we can't will this thing to happen we can't be good enough we can't be work hard enough we just can't do anything but surrender to the grace of God that our righteousness is not of this earth it is extraterrestrial it is unearthly it is something given to us as at birth when, when a child is born, it breathes in the breath of life. What we breathe in is the completed work of Christ, and we breathe in the righteousness of God, and we exhale the righteousness of God. We are as we ought to be, as the word of the Lord shows us. But we've talked about different barren wounds and what those bring forth and how they point back to Jesus. That every barren womb was bringing the realization of the if you want to know the rest of those, go back and listen to the series. But today, I want to jump ahead and let's go to Genesis 45. As we're going to talk about Joseph today. Joseph also, here's Abraham and Sarah and they have a child, Isaac. And Isaac uh, finds out that his wife is, is, is barren and so now Rachel, she gives birth to, to a promised son. And now, and now afterwards uh, we have Rebecca here that, she, uh, <laughs> that she's now uh, this don't you think God's trying to say something? Barren womb after barren womb after barren womb. And now we, we've got Joseph that come forth. And the Bible tells us, and you can take a reference there, Genesis 29 and 31 and Genesis 30 and 22 through 24 talks about the barrenness of Rachel. I got Rachel and Rebecca mixed up. But anyway, talks about Rachel. But we see that the son comes forth and his name is Joseph. Joseph's name means increase. The Lord added after all of those sons came forth and all of those sons came out and Leah and Bilhah and, 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 the, and the concubines, they produced all the children and the Lord remembered Rachel. And now she's got a son. But she prophesies in that and she said, I'm going to have another son. <laughs> See, so she has a son, a miraculous son, because her system didn't work. Now there's a child that's here. Now, this child had a purpose in life, and he was meant to be a preserver of life and a deliverer. A preserver and a deliverer. 
Now, I want you to look here in Genesis because we see the story of Joseph. He begins with a dream. His brothers don't like him. They throw him into a pit, finds himself in a, in a house of slavery, and then he's in prison. And then years and a couple of decades later, he's there in the place that God promised him to be, that he would be. And his brothers that did all the damage to him, all the ill to him, some of them wanted to kill him, ultimately sold him into slavery, robbed him of decades of his life, are now sitting around his table, he sends them back. Mm. Story of tragedy turned to triumph. They didn't know who he was. See, God can do such a transformation in your life. People look at you where you've been, what you used to do, who you used to be. And they're like, I don't even know that guy. That, that Tommy, I knew him back when, but I don't know him now. I don't know who that, that Jesus is, somebody different. I, I can't, they don't even recognize him. Your own flesh and blood. Some of you wonder why your family reunions come out so weird. They don't even know who you are. Genesis 45, and here's Joseph, and he's going to reveal himself to his brothers. Genesis 45, then Joseph could not restrain himself. Oh, my Lord, cannot restrain himself before all those who stood by him. Then he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. See, the pain was real. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But this his brothers could not answer him. They were dismayed in his presence. Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has not been in the land, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth, to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me, sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father of Pharaoh, lord of all of his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, I know that we inherently, when we hear a story, we watch a superhero movie, which I can't get my wife to watch. But occasionally when she's not around and Jacob and I might be at the house together, we, we might put one on just to, just to watch and, how many of you are like me? Anytime you watch a movie, I know Sam watches movies because there's not a movie line that I, that I can quote that he doesn't know. My brother. But how many times do you turn on a movie, a show, your 
program and you immediately begin to identify with the hero. Of course. She is Wonder Woman. That's the only one I can get her to watch. <laughs> we do that instinctively, do we not? I, I think we do that because that's the way God has designed us. So that we can associate ultimately with our ultimate superhero, which is Jesus. Because we are like him. We, we, were, we bore the image of the man of dust, but we will also bear the image of the heavenly man, which we do once we come into the relationship with God. But see, as um, the hero of the story, you identify and you feel their struggle. You, you feel their angst. Their, you, you, if you're going to get engrossed in a story, and you, you take on that role along with them. But today, I'm going to ask you to do something as we listen and we look at Joseph. Though we can find some, and we have preached from the vantage point of ourselves being Joseph in the story, and I don't take from that at all. But what I want you to see today is we are not the heroes in the story. We're in fact the villains. Jesus is the hero. So what I want to do for the next few moments is I want to compare, do a comparison between Joseph and Jesus. And at the end of this, what we're going to discover is the pure mercy and grace of a God that wants you to go free and live free and think free and act free because he is the deliverer. Now, I, I'm going to kind of step through some of this, but you can call the scripture out. Many of you can quote it in Philippians. He has given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, come on and help me. Things in heaven, things on earth. Can I submit to you that Joseph being a type of Christ in this passage of scripture, in this, in this, this storyline, has been given a name? What was the dream? That he was going to rule. The sheaves in the field are going to bow to him. The, the stars and the moon and the sky and all those things are going to bow to him. Wow. Wow. Every, come on. Come on, Kunle. That's pretty good, isn't it? Have you seen that before? Uh, that's, that's good stuff. I thought, whoo, that is. Wow. There's a name. He was given a name. Joseph was given a name, so that tells me he's 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 got... He's a type of Christ in this. Now, Joseph's name means to add, but once he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh, they gave him another name. And I'm going to brutalize this. I'm going to say it real fast. Zephnath, Hannah. Zephnath, Hannah. They can't find the, the I, I've tried to find the etymology of that name to see where it originated, and, and there's only speculations on what it means. Josephus and many others believe that that name means one who reveals hidden or secret things. I thought, oh, that'll preach, won't it? Hidden or secret things was the name that was given to him. See, there's a mystery 
that has been held to the time of the church that we begin to understand that Christology didn't start with the new covenant. It's been there from the beginning, from the foundation of the earth, and it's weaved its way all the way through. Uh, the God of the New Testament is also the God of the Old Testament, and there's mysteries uh, that Paul says over and over. Now, I like that definition of Zephnath, Panai. But Jerome, one of our Christian fathers of the faith, his belief was that that name meant Savior of the world. Savior of the world. Does that sound like somebody you know? Now, as we look at the comparison, see, we're building. We're, we're, we're building here. Got to just take it, take it in because we're going to get to inner healing in just a little bit. But see, both of them, Joseph and Jesus, were sold into slavery. Both of them were sold into slavery. So how is that possible? We see how Joseph, 20 pieces of silver, he was sold to the Ishmaelites. But well, let me tell you that 30 pieces in the New Testament was a price of a slave that Judas betrayed Jesus. And for 30 pieces of silver, which was a price of a slave... In type, he was sold as a slave. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the eternal God, the Son God, he was sold into slavery. God the Son. Totally different. Thank you. I kind of felt that, but I'm glad you pointed it out. The S-O-N God, okay? The, the God the Son is what I'm trying to say. Thank you for my resident theologian. <laughs> but what we see, the one who owns it all, sold into slavery to identify with our humanity so that we can understand that through the price of his redemptive blood, we are all purchased by him to be free from the slavery of sin. But see, they took the money after Judas realized what had happened because it's not until after you do the deed before you realize that you did wrong, that his plan did not work out. Went and threw the money back at the ones who had, had gave the money to him. And they took it and said, well, this is holy. Or this is unholy, so we, we, we're the ones that did this. It's unholy. We can't put it back in the treasury. I don't, I'm not going to touch that. Let us do this. Let's go buy a portion in the potter's field, which was the local dump ground. And we'll bury indigents over there. People that can't afford a pre-need a, 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 a pre for burial or those that can't afford, we'll just go bury them in the graveyard of the trash ground, the, the, the dump yard. They, they, what am I trying to say? The garbage dump. Which tells me. That Jesus, who through his blood, purchased me out of slavery, but he also bought all of my junk back. Amen? 
And what one man thought was trash, he said, I'm going to use as my treasure. I'm going to take the thing that was thrown out that you didn't think could ever be used for the kingdom of God, the most shameful thing that you can think of. I'm going to use it to glorify my kingdom. Both of which, Joseph made it to Egypt. Jesus was called out of Egypt. This is what began to really emphasize and impress me about the typology that we saw in the text that we just read. Joseph forgave those who wronged him. This is where healing starts to take place. Joseph did not hold their sins in account. He forgave those who sinned against him as a type of Christ. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, the Lord knew you were going to fail before you failed. He knew you were going to schedule the appointment at the at the at that place, but but you thought was going to be your liberation of this burden. But now all of a sudden, it's become decades of torment that's been used against you as blackmail. But I'm saying to you, God has purchased all of that to destroy that. He forgave. Say, Lord, you can forgive. Someone who lies, but you can't forgive a murderer. Lord, you can forgive someone who steals, but you can't forgive that. You can forgive someone who bear false witness, who disobedient to parents, who put something else ahead of you, but you just can't forgive this. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. He can. His grace is greater than the sin. Where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. What does that tell me? His grace is greater than anything that I've ever committed. His acceptance is stronger than my failure. He's bigger than all of my problems. He's bigger than all of my mistakes. He knew I would fail him, but yet he still came and died even in the midst of my tragedy. He said, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. And I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you deliverance. I'm going to give you freedom. See, Joseph came and he said, look, don't be angry with yourselves. See, Joseph, somewhere in his walk, somewhere in his journey, as a man, as a man, he, he finally stopped and realized God's in charge of this thing. It wasn't the will of God that his brothers abuse him. Come on, let's don't limit the Lord. God could have got him to Egypt any way he wanted to. He could have got him and set him up as a, as the a ruling nation. He could have walked through and said, hey, I'm going to go to Egypt today. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh would have looked at him, and I don't know. God could have got him there. 
You don't have to have a tragic story to have triumph. Amen? I'd ask, my, I'd ask the father all the time when I was raising my children. I said, Lord, how can they know what I know if they don't know where I've been and what I've done? He said, son, don't worry about it. I can reveal myself to your children in the midst of a blessing of generation just like I revealed myself to you in, a, in the curse of generations. <laughs> He's a big God. But nonetheless, here's Joseph. God's taken all the tragedy and he's turned it for the good of the kingdom as preserver of the covenant people. Joseph said, don't be angry with yourselves. Don't be angry with yourselves because God has brought you here because he wants to preserve you and he wants to deliver you. All of your mistakes ultimately made me end up here. Does that not sound like Jesus? Who put him on the cross? Who nailed him to the cross? He was the very gift given to you and I as a sacrificial lamb so that we can approach and come near to the Father through the blood of Jesus Christ. He came and he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. And so he brought us out of the darkness so he could whip the snot out of us for the rest of our lives. See what I did for you and this is the thanks I get. Come on. That's not the God we serve. In the midst of his agony and his pain, he said, Father, forgive them, for they have lost their ever-loving minds. They don't even know who they are, and they can't know who they are if I don't go through this for us so that I can reconcile them back to you because this is your heart, Father, to bring humanity. And he was reconciling us through Christ to himself. Joseph, as a type of Christ, did not did not. He forgave those he wrong, who wronged him to bring forth preservation and deliverance. This is what I, I, I noticed about Joseph as well. Two times his brothers came to buy bread. And when they were headed home, they opened up the sack of grain, and they found their money. And they thought, well, this might be a mistake the first time. So they go to their father, and they hang out, and they bring Benjamin back, and then he puts the money back in the sack after he fills them up with more grain because they came to bought, and he sends them back. Now, Joseph, with his covenant people, gave them bread that couldn't be bought. Somebody just dropped the microphone. <laughs> yes. 
sound guy just go, don't do that. To the entirety of the world. Bread without cost. Now you think, well, that's great. Mrs. Baird is going out of business. Oh, this is wonderful. Unless we understand what that bread represented. Represented life. He was having an argument, Jesus was, with those uh, religious crowds uh, that they wanted to take the righteous requirements of the, they want to take the sacrifice of God and they always wanted to, they wanted to charge a little extra for it. See, that's what religion will always do. They want to charge you a little extra. You got the completed work of Christ, but we got to add something to this. You can't be wholly delivered unless you go through 3, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Those steps in order, you can't get deliverance. Oh, you got deliverance at the cross. You got forgiveness at the cross. You got everything that was afforded to you at the cross. It's just the fact that we've got to realize through the revelation of the Spirit, the completed work of Christ. See the bread. See, they were arguing that Moses gave the bread. He said, look, Moses didn't give the bread. The law can't give you the nourishment of life. Moses representing the, the, the instruction. You can't work it out hard enough here on earth. I've done it all. I am complete. You just don't know that you're complete in me. But interesting as I read the word of God, how that it unfolds and unfolds and unfolds. See, it was the hunger for bread that drove the brothers to Joseph. It was good news that came to Naomi when she was living in a foreign land. I got good news. There's bread in Israel. I'm going back to Israel. I'm going back to the covenant. I believe, as I discovered, we, we had this conversation on the way home, had such a tremendous move of God yesterday, one of those life-defining moments with the Spirit of the Lord. As we were watching, uh, as women are laying, I was just trying to protect her and protect me because I couldn't keep up with all of that. I actually turned away for a minute, and I got in so much trouble because some lady fell over another lady as I'm praying for a woman who's falling out over here. No, no emphasis on falling out. God was just moving in the house and people being delivered. Uh, and Andrew's like, you got to stay with me. I was like, this woman over here needs help. <laughs> but I just crushed a little lady with another lady because you weren't there. I heard the words of my son. Dad, know your place. <laughs> I had to get back to catching. <laughs> The Spirit of the Lord was moving. We were kind of digesting on the way home and said, Lord, what do, we, what do we see? What do we see? There was an overwhelming measure of hunger in that house. There was just a hunger. There were so many women's shelters that were represented there and so many ladies that were, that were there. But that what, was, what was paramount in the room is there, I've got to have more than I've got. To. I am hungry for the bread of life. I need nourishment from the sacrifice of Jesus. Oh, my God. Church, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, those as they ought to be, my God, they will be filled. You want to get filled? Get hungry for 
for as you ought to be in the Lord. Oh, God, just give me some hunger. I declare hunger over this house. Ravenous hunger, and I'm not talking about lunch. It was the bread that drove them. It's going to be the hunger. Jesus said, you didn't come after me because of the crowds. You didn't seek me out. You didn't seek me out because of the miracles. You sought me out because of the, the bread. The bread. Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I just want him. But I, I noticed something in the word of the Lord. You can, you can look this up and see with the, with the message, and we'll talk about the message in just a moment, and I, I promise you I, I will sometime in the very near future draw to a close. But I want you to look in, in the word here. Uh, let's, look at, let's look at Mark 14, 22. I'm sorry, guys, I didn't give you all this. Mark 14 and 22. This is the Last Supper. Last Supper is taking place here. And then we're going to go over to Matthew 14. Mark 14, it says, And as they were eating, talking about the Last Supper, Jesus took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it back to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. So they're in the communion, there Jesus has the bread, and he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it back to them. And said, Take, eat, this is my body. This is my body. This bread that you're eating represents the sacrifice that I will make for all of the sins, past, present, and future. This is what's going to bring you into the into as you ought to be and godly, divinely approved and accepted. And it's going to free you from the shame. It's going to free you from the pain. It's going to, it is the very sacrifice that I'm giving that's going to sozo you, that's going to heal you, that's going to deliver you, that's going to set you free. Just like Joseph in the Word of God, how that he preserved and delivered them out of starvation. Now God has brought Jesus and he's delivering them out of starvation because you're going to have life and you're going to live according to what my desire is and you're not going to pay to the blackmailer anymore because you've been liberated. Now, there's a reference there that I've never seen before. If you have, I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to talk with you a little bit. But there's another reference of this Matthew 14, then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish. Looking up into heaven, he did what? He blessed it, he broke it, and he gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. My God, church, there's a last supper and a feeding in the multitude. A last supper and the feeding in the multitude. It's bread in Joseph's day. It's bread in our day. It's 
manna in the wilderness is Jesus in the New Testament. We see here that there was a blessing and a breaking given to them because this is the message of redemption. This is the message that your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been taken care of. Your sins have not just been covered over. They have been removed from your history. And they should not plague your future. I'm taking them out of the equation. It's going to be a force on the outside trying to tempt you back into it, but it's not going to be on the inside because I'm going to fix it from the first to the last. Now, now you have been forgiven. Now take that bread that I just blessed, the message that's on your lips. Now you go dole that out to the multitude. Do you see it? Do you see it? Folks, it is not an angry, petulant father that's looking to zap you into existence because he is so mad at you that he wants to beat the hell out of you. He took the hell out of you at Calvary. to put heaven in you for your life. See, the bread represented some body. All the teaching, all the preaching, all the analogies, all the sustaining of life, that bread. We take communion, what are we, what are we, what are we communing? We're communing over the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus. We're remembering that we were the brothers that betrayed, but yet God did not hold our sins against us. But see, this is the sad thing that I see in the church. Is that you are free. And we still live like slaves. I want a liberty liberates a freedom that is felt thought about walked in I've given God the absolute permission to search my heart and to search out every crack and crevice every lie see the enemy cannot change who you are he can only convince you that you're not who you are We take a whole lot of covering from the external. And we find a lot of ways to point out to others their wrongs while we don't deal with our own. And we're convinced that if we do enough, work hard enough, if we somehow become moral enough, then we'll be righteous enough to receive the forgiveness of God. When forgiveness was given 2,000 years ago, you just haven't believed it to receive it, to walk in it. See, that word, sozo, and I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and make their way up. Sozo is such a beautiful word. Jesus came to sozo the world from their sins. He, he, he came to, that word means deliver means to heal, means to set free. But see, 
it also means to take that person out of that horrific danger and set them in a safe place. See, the Lord has forgiven those who have sinned and those who accept that forgiveness. So, Jesus, I believe and I receive. But see, he not only takes you out of that horrific danger, of that tornado on the horizon. How many in here would say to your children, hey, there's a tornado coming. It's, I don't know, it's about the size of the one over in Wichita Falls back in 1978 when three tornadoes came together and it stretched a mile long. Uh, you're safe. Go, go, out, go outside and play. No. The father runs out there and grabs that child, sees the impending doom on the horizon, and that father takes that child to the safest place he can find. And he shields that child from anything and everything. He makes sure that that child is as safe as they can possibly be. My God, that's an earthly father. But my heavenly father saw my horizon, the danger. And he said, oh, son, I'm not going to leave you out there and just tell you you're safe. I'm coming after you, and I'm going to pull you into that shelter. His name is Jesus. Shame is not going to get to you in there. Pain is not going to get to you in there. You're not going to be who you were anymore. You're free. I've asked the Lord, go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand. I said, Lord, this is such a, such a crucial message. Because there are those that are here. Something that you have done. And you still think God's mad at you. He keeps determining where you go and what you do. Every time you try to raise up above it, it's whispering in your ear. I didn't tell people for decades until this church, just not that many months ago, I did not publicly share. My children didn't even know that I'd been sexually abused as a child. But you know what I did when I said those words? What I declared to this house that you lovingly received, and many of you came back and said, I know what, you, I know what you're talking about. You know what it did to me personally? It liberated. The, the blackmailer had nothing to bring about anymore. It was done. Though I don't understand the pain that you may be going through in your particular situation, what I do know is this. Your father loved you. And he's so, so, he takes you out of that danger to bring you into safety. Would you come and partake of that sacrifice?
and let God heal you and take you on a journey that changes everything because you're changed. This altar is open right now. You know this message is for you. Transformation is taking place as you step out and say, Lord, I receive today the completed work of Christ and I'm not going to walk in shame anymore. Some of you need to declare what has happened to you. You need to tell somebody and you'll discover the thing that the enemy has been holding over you all that time really has no power. They're not thinking what you're thinking. They're not going to believe what, what to, and if they do, then you don't worry about it because that's not what your father thinks about you. Come on. There's freedom in this altar. Who wants to exchange their shame for God's acceptance? Who wants to get rid of the nonsense and say, God, I receive right now your fullness. Come on, these altars are open. These altars are open. There's this call going out right now. There's an exchange that's taking place. God's going to take you out of danger, and he's going to let you realize that you're in safety. You're in safety. Come on. Come on. If you're Come on. Right now, these altars are open. Those altars are open. There's nobody in this house that's going to cast a, 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 a look of shame of religion upon you. We're not asking you to work harder. We're asking you to rest more in the completed work of Christ. I'm not going to ask you what that situation is. It's between you and God. But there's healing in this house. There's healing in this house. Either what you have done or somebody else has done to you. Come on. Come on. These altars are open. I, I know the Spirit of the Lord is here and God's going to liberate Come on, as they begin to sing and worship, I want you to make your way out and say, God, I receive, I receive, I receive. Oh, 